At the time of recording the episode you're about to hear, we were in the midst of the coronavirus lockdown. Now, days after the start of our government's instruction to begin to ease the lockdown, I feel it is essential to bring a perspective that is somewhat absent from the mainstream media. Before getting into the stats and figures, which I will briefly summarize later, I would first like to share my experience with you to better inform why I found it necessary to do some independent digging soon after returning to the UK. I live in London, the worst affected area in the UK. I know of several people who have caught the virus, but none of them have died from it. I also have testimony from people I know who have lost their loved ones to other illnesses, but are still being counted as corona deaths. Why is this the case? Beyond the emotional trauma that not being able to say your last goodbye to loved ones has had on thousands of people across the country, this approach starkly opposes fundamental medical practice and cannot be ignored when considering the true nature of this virus. For example, catching seasonal influenza but dying from a pre-existing heart condition would not warrant the cause of death being classified as the flu. If it was, we would find that annual flu fatalities are indeed much higher than we are currently considering them. Unfortunately, this malpractice is the case globally. For what reason, I do not know for sure, though I have my suspicions. We are faced by a narrative which describes Corona as one of the greatest threats to humanity, akin to the Spanish flu, which was responsible for the deaths of 20 to 50 million people and is thought to have infected one third of the global population. The reality of this pandemic, however, is far, far from being that deadly. Consider my nana, a widow in London who was regularly socializing with hundreds of fellow pensioners before the lockdown. Her social sphere is the epitome of high risk. Yet despite who she is and where she lives, she knows but one person who has sadly passed from the virus. I must ask you, is this a lucky coincidence or is it simply the reality of a virus which before lockdown we knew very little about but still jumped the gun and reacted to the media sensationalism surrounding Neil Ferguson's COVID-19 model. Yes, the same Neil Ferguson who has recently been forced to resign as government advisor after breaking quarantine himself. Apparently, lockdown for thee and not for me. I see it more like jumping ship. His code has since been ridiculed by dozens of software engineers who have voiced their concerns via GitHub that such code could influence governmental policy. 600,000 deaths, he said. Fuck off. Will there be any ramifications for his starkly inaccurate prediction? Or will we just forget about it as we move into the new normal of prolonged social distancing? Which brings me back to my nana, who before I moved in with her after my two week quarantine period had not had any human contact for six weeks. She was frightened at the prospect of her own grandson's embrace, which disturbed me. It became clear how quickly fear had manifested not only in her, but in the majority of people in the UK who are now fearful of fellow human beings and not the virus itself, which even if we were to believe the conflated statistics is currently responsible for killing a mere 0.048% of our population at the time of recording this message. Meanwhile, the Daily Mail still, along with other media outlets, would have you believe that COVID-19 is 10 times deadlier than seasonal flu. How can you legitimately report this without the necessary data? The data for such claims does not exist, but even if we are to believe the daily death tolls, which may I reiterate, we simply can't, there is no grounds to predict that this virus is 10 times as deadly as seasonal flu. Were you aware that before the outbreak, between 7 and 15% of the global population already had coronavirus antibodies? Were you also aware that up to 80% of those who are infected are asymptomatic? This virus was in global circulation long before lockdown. You may have already had it, was one of the hundreds of thousands of present viruses and bacteria in your body potentially the almighty SARS-CoV-2, otherwise known as COVID-19. 
Over half of the officially reported COVID-19 deaths are of people over the age of 80. Is it any surprise that the average age of death in the UK is 81 years of age? Now, clearly this is a dangerous virus, for it is robbing thousands of people of their lives. But why have we gone about tackling it in this way? Why did we stop the healthy population gaining immunity while simultaneously isolating and treating the vulnerable? The NHS runs at a yearly capacity of 91 to 95% bed occupancy regardless, so there was no doubt the NHS would have been strained. Why have we accepted that life-saving surgeries are now put on hold? Why have we ceased the diagnosis of various chronic diseases? How many people will suffer or die because they were prevented from acquiring the care they needed at a time that nurses and doctors across the country have been put on rotors or even furloughed? Never before in the hundreds of years of dealing with infectious disease have we ever quarantined healthy people. Why did we start now? Was it because this virus was especially infectious? Is that what you're thinking? Take the government guidelines on highly infectious diseases. I quote, Now that more is known about COVID-19, the public health bodies in the UK have reviewed the most up-to-date information, whereby several features have now changed. In particular, more information is available about mortality rates, which are low overall. The Advisory Committee on Dangerous Pathogens is also of the opinion that COVID-19 should no longer be classified as a high-consequence infectious disease. Those words were published by your government on the 19th of March, days before lockdown. Now, I do not wish to trivialise the losses many thousands of you have endured across the globe from COVID-19, but we must be rational in our reaction to a threat which is not what we thought it once was. At the time of recording this, we have had weeks of panic pushed onto you by the media and their celebrity TV anchors, who since the reform lockdown rules have done nothing but attack our politicians over a lack of clarity. Surprisingly, I find myself defending them in this instance. I respect the humanity in their responses when faced with questions such as, can I go and meet my son who I haven't seen in two months? Yes, they answer. Wrong, cries the likes of Piers Morgan, whose aggressive stance is hailed by many who are still afraid to return to the lives they left behind in a world before COVID-19. It is clear that parliaments are unsure of their own decision because they themselves are aware that the virus is not as deadly as the media and so-called model producing experts first predicted. But what I find more disturbing is that despite this knowledge, our politicians have still found it necessary to pass a Corona Act through Parliament, similar to governments across the world, which grotesquely centralises power for two years after its initial formation. Two years of legal action that would have been criminal before this global event. Behold the legal right to forcibly detain you as a corona suspect. Since when was being ill a crime? The power to forcibly take biological samples such as blood from your children or forcible entry into your home. This virus and the response it has been given has facilitated an alarming shift towards totalitarian governing methods, which are simply unjust when you look at the true danger this virus actually poses. Now, let us speculate. As this goes on, we are experiencing an increased state support, coupled with a drastic drop in GDP. Again, a global trend undergone to tackle this pandemic. Hopefully we recover just fine. But this, in turn, will likely lead to the worst depression in my lifetime. Such an event will likely cause unrest, especially amongst those who are already struggling to financially keep their heads above water. As of the 25th of March, 2020, your right to partake in public demonstrations and protest has been removed. But don't worry, it's for your own good. To safeguard you and your family from catching this oh-so-deadly virus. 
Aren't we lucky that the government cares so much for our well-being? If anything I have so far expressed comes as a shock to you, if you feel angry, or even if you think I'm chatting absolute shit, I must suggest that you read up about this stuff yourself. Check what's actually been going on whilst your TV has focused on the overcapacity hospitals, the death tolls, as well as what this age of social distancing might look like moving forwards. But for now, to this so-called new normal, I say fuck off. Let us use some common sense and ask the questions that before now have been answered for us. Let us start to look into what this virus truly is, why this virus has locked down the world and who could possibly benefit from such a clear crime against humanity, if what you are likely to find is to be true. But I digress. Back to some wholehearted advice that any health professional would be compelled to support. Treat your body with respect. Eat a healthy diet rich with fruits and vegetables. Avoid processed foods wherever you can. Focus on vitamin C, D3, otherwise known as the sunlight hormone, as well as zinc, all of which will boost your immune system and best prepare your natural defense system against viruses, bacteria, pathogens, etc. Go outside, exercise, see your family. Obviously continue to wash your hands after touching communal facilities or getting dirty, but do not obsess about hygiene. You cannot sanitize the world around you. All you can do is best prepare yourself for the inevitability of contracting a coronavirus at some point in your life, such as the common cold. Now please rest assured that there are currently well over 1.6 million people who have recorded immunity to this disease. If nothing else, keep in mind that when you next walk by a stranger on the street, they are not the virus. We are not the virus. We are the people who I hope will not be so easily fooled when the second wave inevitably hits. Now, this may not seem like a hopeful note to end on, but there is promise out there for us all to overcome this hardship and be better off for it. Many now predict that the global approach to slow down the virus has only prolonged the inevitable, which is one of two forms of herd immunity. What do you think would be the best way to tackle this virus? Please have a look at the data, disregard council culture, and listen to a range of expert opinion. But most importantly, inform your own point of view. Your mind is your own to make. Without further ado, I would like to welcome Tom, to the Lost in the Middle podcast, a political commentator, also known as A Few Things Wrong. Let us begin. Sit back and enjoy the Lost in the Middle podcast. The Lost in the Middle podcast. <laughs> one, two, three. Beautiful. That was probably one of our best ones. <laughs> that was, that was good. Yeah. Right, you were clapped at the same time on my screen for the first time. Bro, did you see how bad the one the other day was? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was so funny. I don't know where Luke was. <laughs> okay, just so I can remind myself, are we on episode, this is episode This is episode nine. nine. Yeah. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of the Lost in the Middle podcast. Yeah, we're joined today by Tom from A Few Things Wrong. Hello a political commentary page that has amounted a fair following over the couple of years it's been about, focusing on the politics and the political scene of the UK. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Big up the boy. Hi. Come on. Now, it may come as a surprise to some of you as to the youthful, angelic guy on your screen right now. I mean, although listening, listening, you might not have the same impression, but yeah, my man is 
Younger than I thought. A very knowledgeable man indeed. An old soul, perhaps. Right, it's puts me and Ollie to shame, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably worth letting you know now that politics isn't any of our strong points. The world goes on with politics in it. We all need to be clued up to some extent, so maybe you could help us out as we go along. But if you see our faces kind of going like, ah, yeah, then uh, you may have lost us. I'll try my best to keep up there. Okay, so... Um, if you'd like to just give a little rundown of the page that you're uh, the owner of, just so people understand a little bit more, maybe if they don't know who you are. Right. At the well, it's obviously on Instagram. A few things wrong. It didn't really like. It didn't really have an overarching theme to it. It's just sort of general politics stuff. Bit yeah. left wing. Just a bit. Yeah. Won't pretend mm. it's neutral. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to describe. It. I'm not doing very well here. No, no. Honestly, mate, it's all good. Um, <laughs> So how long ago did you start the page? I think it must have been about four years now. It was just before Brexit happened. Four years? years. Okay. Well, because I'd consider myself, I think I followed fairly early on. Um, And what was it that sort of incited you to start the page in the first place? Um, I can't... I think it was... Do you remember TTIP, the Transatlantic Investment Partnership? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, my first post was on that. It's all archived now because they're absolute crap. (laughs) (laughs) but self-censorship yeah <laughs> um now that was what started and it sort of slowly evolved sort of evolved out of that yeah what was your what was your username if you followed ages ago um i think it was i think it's the same as it is now john o'faraday oh. but um i definitely followed when you had less than ten thousand followers i think it was around maybe one or two thousand followers i was oh, there you're like one of the proper early ones yeah, I've been listening to all that political spew Real from fan. a fanboy, John <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so have you been into politics since a very young age then? Relatively, yeah, because family and all that. What do you mean by family and all that? Your parents... Well, my dad in- was... Inclined to a debate or two? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. My dad was a union rep when I was quite young. My grandma... Uh, was, do you know the Green and Common? Can't say I do. Uh, it was the anti, anti-nuclear... Camp in the World War oh, around okay. Bunazi with okay. missile bases. She was at that, so it's sort of quite a long family thing, really. Yeah, you've got a politically charged family then. Mm. Are they all as left leaning as uh, you? Uh, probably Not more you're so. Sort yeah. of extreme left wing, but oh, they're more so. <laughs> so they're they've um, sort of had their impression on you then. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how's how are you how are you doing through this lockdown at the minute? I mean, the circumstances are a bit of a strange one, I'm sure. All right, oh, to be yeah. honest. Page yeah. is doing yeah. well because I've got a lot more free time now that everything's <laughs> shit and everything's cancelled. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Definitely. I've seen um, you've put something out recently about how Boris Johnson is not the hero he's been made yeah, to be yeah, in the media. Like I forgot what paper it was. If the Sun or the Mail sort of genuinely compared him to Jesus, and it's like that is <laughs> it's just not deserved of. Christ has <laughs> risen. I'm not the biggest fan of Jesus, but like. <laughs> he ain't Jesus. He hasn't quite risen from the dead yet. <laughs> Not yet. We'll still see. time, of course, still time. <laughs> so you started the page about four years ago. Um, it started getting a bit of traction. How early into your uh, sort of Instagram career, should we call it? Um, I think it was probably the 2017 election where it properly took off. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. And then, and was there any one post that sort of gained the most amount of attention, or was it oh, just in you, general? There was one... Um, when Boris Johnson first became Prime Minister. Yeah. Uh, I forgot what it was called. Basically just about Boris Johnson. That was that was like the big breakthrough when that got 4,000 likes up from about 300 usually. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, nice. really? So that was the big... Wow. That's some good numbers. Yeah, that's... 
That's, what, we, that's what we're list. trying to aim for at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our Instagram social media is lacking. Uh, it is indeed, yeah. We need to move up from it. Sure. Um, regarding Instagram and sort of the culture on there, how have you found it over the years that you've been using the page? Well, like, it's it's a bit dead, to be honest, isn't it? Compared to Twitter, there isn't that much yeah. politics going on. That is true. That is true. Twitter's definitely more inclined for that yeah. sort of debate, which is refreshing, I guess, to have that on Instagram. What do you think of the, the type of people on Instagram and the type of discourse they have under your posts? Well, it's quite funny because sometimes it's like pretty, you'll get two people who know a lot and you'll have paragraph after paragraph and even I can't be yeah. able to read it all. And then other times it gets one comment before people just start swearing at each other. And to be honest, I prefer them ones than more. <laughs> We'd say it's quite a toxic, toxic community or... Do you think you've got a good one? Uh, well... Bearing in mind they're the, the ones listening. <laughs> <laughs> the, the comments are sometimes quite sort of, oof. But I, I feel like they're... If you read them in a light-hearted way, yeah. we can pretend they're not all toxic people. Okay. Is it more like debates or is it just pure hate sometimes? Do you, do you feel like No, it's debates that sometimes common? escalate uh, ridiculously. <laughs> this, is the, this is the thing. People start bringing things that are completely unrelated to the topic into the argument just to try and win it and then yeah then it's just straight pause tangent like we've had some that started off as like proper in-depth political discussions and then ended with people just slagging off each other's profile pictures and you're like that's what happens yeah you've lost your way a bit here (laughs) trust (laughs) mate we've all got it i had one the other day uh i commented something related to the coronavirus and I had one of the comments underneath it just stick to lifting weights mate (laughs) (laughs) that's what you get when when your profile's on public that's what you get to expect (laughs) I love how that's the worst thing they can come up with (laughs) no that's when you get when every single picture is with your top off and your abs are showing well yeah maybe it's that as well maybe (laughs) that as well that is the image I portray I'm a meathead so you might be full of yourself who knows (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. You know, I've got to get all that angst out with all this political storm on at the moment. I can't keep keep reading into it. I'll just go mad. So mm. I'll leave that up to my man, Tom Down. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever get frustrated? I mean, you must do with the stuff that you're writing. There is that sort of angst behind some of the pieces. But do you ever think there's no winning? Uh, yeah, I did a um, post on why we should abolish the monarchy. It was a bit controversial and... Yeah. yeah, I ended up just deciding not to look in the comment sections because it's just... Got too much. Yeah, it's just sort of the same thing over Why and over. Why did you say that we should abolish the monarchy? Um, I went off undemocratic, yep. unfair, and something else that I should have remembered. Um, Sorry, mate. We'll give you a couple seconds. Undemocratic, unfair. <laughs> God, it's like Mastermind. And... Um, <laughs> you see some theme music right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get it out. <laughs> if I maybe if I go with some of the uh, the points, we'll just I go with them too. Democratic and fair, and not that good for tourism. Oh yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. A lot of people claim that there's the whole tourist debate, but I assume the palaces still look nice, even if they're uninhabited. Mm. And if they were opened up, they'd be more inclined to go and visit. Yeah, you know, like the Louvre in, the gates. The Louvre in Paris gets six times as much tourism as Buckingham Palace does, and their royals are beheaded and dead. Is that an implication <laughs> as to how we should end up? <laughs> course not <laughs> <laughs> legally speaking so what's what's your view on the harry situation then because obviously he's given up his role and do you support his uh, notion or do you think that there's a load of hypocrisy in that because he still gets some of the benefits well i think it's a bit off that he's still getting state security and even in canada but then again yeah. like even tony blair will still get state security because he'll always be at risk exactly. because of what he did for the country mm. positively or negatively um yeah but no i think 
I think it's quite interesting what happened with them, but I think what was pretty bad is they got more criticism for leaving the family than Prince Andrew did for everything he did, because they were sort of similar-ish times. It's almost like a convenient scapegoat, Mm. that one, isn't it? Yeah. Everybody look Mm. over there, the ginger one's leaving, forget about the pedo. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically what it was, We're going to get taken down. It's very true. It's very true. (laughs) Yeah, Twitch is freaking out right now, the staffing. But yeah, no, that was uh, definitely an eye-opener for me, just how sort of blatant I thought it was. And the stick that Meghan was getting, especially yeah. when you consider the whole uh, the context to Harry's mum enduring what she had to endure as well, and how that all came to an end, depending on what you believe. <laughs> but yeah, I wonder, what, what's your view on that? Do you think uh, Lizzie had anything to do with it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. I wouldn't put it past anywhere, but... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's one we'll ask her when we've got a head ready to cut off when we take them out. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so bad. I so like. the arguments for getting rid of the royal family. I mean, this is the thing as well. I'm pretty much the same view, where I don't really think they really hold much purpose. To be honest, no. apart from the fact that there is that. I suppose that's it's quite a good argument actually. So to keep the royal family, there is that sort of sense of community around it we are all great british that is our queen that sort of thing and the more multicultural our country is becoming and that we are losing what it is to be british um i don't know how to describe it, a sort of joint mentality as to how we should progress as a society um but if we were to remove the queen and the hypocrisies that such a role holds in what is supposed to be one of the birthplaces of modern democracy it can get quite confusing basically it's like what is the real pros and the real cons what I was coming around to was just how much power and wealth the royal family holds because they're quite good at setting this stuff up mm. and misleading the public into how much they truly own. Yeah, Trust. like with, like it's, um, what do you call it, it's often said how they don't really have much power, but like the Black exactly. Spider letters with Prince yeah, Charles lobbying government ministers a lot, the 1999 what is, military what is that? bill. For hey. people that don't know, the Black Spider... Oh, it's it's a big dossier of letters <laughs> that the Guardian had to fought to get released. It showed him basically lobbying ministers in, I think it was Tony Blair's government, to do what he wanted them to do, um, quite extensively. Called Black Spider because yeah. handwriting is apparently appalling and looks like black spiders. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, that, that's right. They were handwritten letters to try and influence policy change. Effectively. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. And that's, I think, some of the... what. Can you recall if what he asked for materialised or not? Uh, not that I know of, no. Which is unfortunate for my argument, but... <laughs> that's true. I mean, it's unfortunate for mine as well. However, there's plenty more to draw from. Mm. Just the uh, the tax laws that don't exist for them yeah, the... is one place to start. The fact that my man can go along making businesses wherever he wants, which he very much does with his swine business, etc., and, and the Duchy of Cornwall, where in Cornwall, if you die without a will, all of your property defaults to Prince Charles for some reason. Well, shit, there you go. There's another one. <laughs> oh my wow. God. I think some I royal, know. I don't know how to describe it. What do you call somebody, a royalist? Somebody who does research into the royal family? Something along those lines. They, I'd need to get the, um, the sources for this. This is just going off memory. But it was in the magnitude of trillions as to their true wealth. If you were to accumulate the entire royal family as a sort of a unit so obviously there's dozens if not hundreds of people there to account for Jesus. but if you consider the amount of land they own then the properties on those land 
their offshores, the fact that they have stakes in many companies, own many companies. You collate all of that and it's far more than we give credit. 100% their money is long. <laughs> I don't know if we can all uh, agree or not, but money effectively, well, in this day and age is power. Mm. And as you're saying, lobbying government, mm. just because these papers were released doesn't mean to say they're the only things. Money is power, 100%. 100%. It's quite scary. It's quite scary to think The about. more money you have, the more things you can do. And people like Bill Gates, just like, hmm, is, is he... Is he the kingpin of the Illuminati? Money does make the world go around and it's been proven 100%. time and time again. No different no different to the more Well moment. just the lobbying. The the government lobbying is the main thing. The fact you can directly influence policy by paying. With money. There is not a single politician I'm aware of that cannot be bought. I'm not sure if you can think of any. Like, who would you give your entire, your whole trust to if there is anyone? The only person I could think of would probably be Dennis Skinner. He's not even high up, but I can't imagine him ever taking a bribe, to be honest. Well, there you go. That's probably why I didn't get that high up. Yeah. yeah. That's the sad reality of all of this, isn't it? Skin rises to the top. 100%. He's just crusty yeah. now, though, so... <laughs> Give me your money, he's probably going to die the next day. <laughs> With that sort of opinion on the current political reality, what's your opinion going forward then? Are you going to continue to vote Labour and hope that their government brings around the change that you think is necessary? Or do you think it's all a bit pointless? Uh, I'm, I'm really sort of mixed at the moment because I supported Corbyn quite heavily, as the page shows. And then yeah. after, I voted for Keir Starmer... Um, then I saw his shadow cabinet was a bit ooh not a fan then I saw these labour leaks and I thought nah that party is no better talk us through the labour leaks well basically they had a massive document I think it's 800 pages in total this was from the sounds like fun (laughs) I read 200 of them it's boring as hell um, oh my god 200 more than me mate well done (laughs) it was you know the equalities commission investigation into anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. It was this report, and it found that there was very little evidence of anti-Semitism in the party, but there was Mm -hmm. a lot of evidence of corruption in the HQ, bullying in the lower ranks, um, and one of the high-up groups in the party, the General and Legal Unit, basically worked to undermine Corbyn to the point where they were... I think it said they were withholding allegations of anti-Semitism, making sure the leader's office couldn't deal with them, and then leaking to the press, the leader's office couldn't deal with them, even though they sort of caused that. It was all pretty... Um, it did seem really? as though his government or his cabinet, yeah, his party was destined to fail. Yeah, they, they, there was another bit where they spoke of one of the units withheld money from his main election campaign in 2017 <laughs> and gave it to MPs that they liked, right-wing MPs that they wanted in, yeah. and denied it to the general campaign which is quite scandalous when Labour came within 1% of winning that election to have money mm, held back true. from your campaign. So, yeah, you have quite extremes with the Labour Party because obviously now it's come far more into the middle again. Mm. But um, there was a real nationwide support for Labour, despite how extreme left-wing it was considered. Yeah. What do you think that sort of tells you about the people at the moment and the sort of extremes that everyone's coming? There's quite a divides i'd say kind of echoes what's going on in america or has been going on in america for a few years well i think in a big way like 
most of Labour's ideas, there were some quite left-wing figures in it, but most of the ideas they're actually proposing at both elections were pretty... They were quite moderate stuff. Like, yeah. um, I think there was polling, I've forgotten who did it, but there was polling that showed about 65% of people, including Tories, backed Labour policy when they weren't told it was Labour policy. Yeah. So the mm. ideas are quite popular. It's more the party brand that's tarnished as hell. Yeah. Red's not many people's favourite colour. Frost. <laughs> used to be mine, to be fair. Until Corbyn. Yeah, yeah when, I I was, when, I was a, when I was a kid and then Arsenal were actually good. Everything gets ruined. Trust, now I'm just like a bull seeing red for the first time in its life. Just pierces. I mean, that was away. when the Labour government was in power as well. When Arsenal were good, Labour was in. Correlation. Or the last time mm, Arsenal was good, anyway. Trust. Yeah, Have yeah, you heard? Apparently, they're going to void down. void this season now, and we might actually get into the Champions League. <laughs> what, they're voiding the football season. Well, I can't. I, they're they're can't seriously considering it this but, season. Are they doing it by alphabetical order? Then who gets into the Champions? League? No, because <laughs> last year we came fifth, and Man City um, are getting or. Well, Potentially getting banned from the Champions League, so technically that we'd get is in. Outrageous. Which would be sick. Void the season now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're getting in not all. because you're good, but just yeah. the process of elimination. Yeah. We, we won't. Yeah. We we won't win it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and we can hope. But, we can hope. But yeah, almost kind of going on to the football as rogue as that was, there is sort of that between political parties and the supporters of them. There is kind of that angst that you get at a football match now mm. where people are ready to rip your head off <laughs> and I think Luke was saying it in a past podcast about how he really noticed it at his time at Bristol where if any of the students dared to admit that they were voting Tory there was a real stigma against it yeah definitely amongst the student communities I feel like it was mainly because a lot of the policies Labour were promising like the reduction in university costs blah 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 um, were very advantageous for university students. And anyone that even muttered the word Tory was like, what? <laughs> you can't be voting for them. Mm. It's Labour or nothing sort of thing. Um, so, yeah. What about my boy Bojo? Good <laughs> lad. <laughs> I, I personally you... always had a like it to Bojo, to be honest. This is where you come in and ruin our lives. Trust. Time. Yeah, I, I always um, thought he 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 was he was a uh, an iconic figure, but he's basically like he's, the best of a bad bunch, in my opinion. Don't hold back, Tom, mate. Don't hold back. <laughs> well, Get ready to yeah, rip my head off. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, I would. He is quite funny sometimes. Like getting stuck at a zip wire was quite funny. Uh, yeah. Demolishing that little kid in rugby, you can't go back at that. Uh, <laughs> And he speaks quite funnily and he looks quite funny. But then when you look at sort of who he actually is as a person, um, his opinion on minority people, black people, gay people, they're not great. Mm. His actions, sort of, um, that time he, he conspired to beat up a journalist. Uh, I'm not sure what for, but that wasn't great. Wrong. And then yeah. the way Especially he... for someone who's in that field. Bojo's <laughs> <laughs> coming for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be rocky blindsided <laughs> come with the back rugby tackle you're gone mate <laughs> give us um, a few examples I've I've seen some of the quotes of his uh, disdain towards minority groups oh well um, um, he when he was in charge of the spectator which is a pretty right wing 
kind of nasty yeah. magazine. He allowed an article to be published that had the phrase "Blacks have lower IQs" in it, which is a what? bad sentence on so many levels. Um, there's a whole list of them. I think the GMB union. I think it was GMB. How did he get away with posting that? Is there any validity to that claim? Playing devil's advocate. How um, did they come up to well, that? Well, the one way you can argue it is if you get some black people from third world countries and make them sit an IQ test, they don't do as well as white people from the first world do. But you know yeah. what? There might be a reason for that that isn't skin colour. Is that how they base the test? Basically, yeah. Mm. It's Yeah, okay. Just that makes sense. Awful. So that's just a dirty loophole. Um, that's just, yeah, that's just stupid. That's, that's the beauty <laughs> of statistics, though, is that, as we're finding now with the whole corona thing as well, it's so easily manipulated. Yeah, you can just twist it any way oh, you want. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Carry on with the anti-bojo. Um, obviously, there was that things you said about Muslim women looking like letterboxes, which is not only a bit offensive, no. but just not true, is it? No one... No one's ever. Well, well they're, not, they're not red, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they were red, you could. Um... Sorry, Ollie, I don't want to get you banned on Twitch. <laughs> no, it's fine. It, they should understand the context when I. <laughs> well, how many. Have you got any questions in the um, comments yet? Anybody letting their opinions known? Um, not on anything we've spoken about. Oh, they're just slagging you off then, as per usual. <laughs> There's a little bit of that, <laughs> a little bit of Elo Plonkers, because they're not from the UK, and they're enjoying the accent. Someone said thoughts on LGBT churches. I don't know if that was a legit What's comment. an LGBT church? Trust. Well, Sounds that's fun. a very good question. Maybe I can give a little Google. <laughs> if that's a legitimate to... thing, I'm happy to talk yeah. on it. Well, feel free to. 619 Pokers question. We just, the segue, we just spoke about Bojo's uh, disdain towards the LGBT community. I remember him saying something along the lines of uh, tank top bum boys or something yeah. like that. Um, mm. He does have a way with words because well. it is comical in the sense of how outrageous it is coming from somebody who holds some level of authority. Yeah. Although at the time in which he said yeah. it, he didn't hold quite the authority as he does today, obviously. But still, somebody with that potential career path in scope, it is. A surprise that you felt the need to say such things. Mm. As far as LGBT churches go, what's your uh, stance on that? I'm still not sure what they are. I can imagine that they are churches what? and a religious group tailored towards the homosexual and other forms of... Uh, I've put myself in a hole here. <laughs> um, other forms of sexual preference. Well, that there sounds great, because seeing as all the mainstream religions sort of little bit hate gay people, I think yeah. it would be... A- Nice thing to have. It'd be a colourful as well. Yeah. <laughs> like I a rainbow. I see one of these. They sound quite fun. I'm going to Google them. Colourful, yeah. Think about those stained glass windows are going to look like a rainbow, mate. Yeah. Bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, in theory, it's I don't get what it is. Is it like you can only the... go if oh, you're my God. of that inclination no. or what? Or they're just like, You got it right. Accepting... I just Googled it. Hey, Tom's got it. There we go. If you Google it, it's literally a church and they've got a big rainbow flag inside. Oh, I've lost it now. <laughs> so is that, an, is that in the UK or is that an American? I don't know. I just went on Google Images. Hang on. Strikes me as an American thing. It's definitely going to be American. It sounds more American. But that, um, I don't know. I suppose the argument for it, if you're into your religion, is that necessarily... Oh no, I don't, know where, I don't like where he's going correct. With this. No, I agree. <laughs> no, no, no. I think not... where you're going is, if you're a homosexual, oh, I always say, if you're an LGBTQ person and you've seen that pretty much across the globe, religion is at odds with your sexual orientation, then why do you even feel yeah. the need to associate yourself with it? 
what benefit does that hold? It's like, why, why do you want to be a part of that club? It, it doesn't make any sense for me. They are making their own club, I assume, in the making an LGBTQ church. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you're basing it upon the premise that has ostracised your uh, community since mm. its creation. I presume when they say church, they are just Christian believers. It sounds like a Christian that thing, yeah. all gay inside. Um, but then you see some of the teachings in the Bible... And that type of thing. I'm just, I don't know. It's very, it's a questionable one. It's you know, a, I'm not educated enough on religion point. to give an actual proper I had opinion on this. Quite a religious person who was Christian talking to me about his stance on homosexuality. He was an old chap, eighty odd, and um, oh no, <laughs> his <laughs> argument behind it was that because he didn't sort of wish harm upon anyone. That's sort of, he was a very sort of gentle man, um, and he said that these gay people today were most likely um, the opposite sex in their past life and they're struggling to fully make that transition. And I was like, well, shit, you claim to be Christian yeah, and you you're like, you're going like back Christian because that reincarnation shit got cut out of the Bible a few hundred years ago, man. <laughs> so fair play to you. <laughs> Maybe he was older than that. Well, yeah, he's researched his Charles, religion he needs to beyond swap. most people. It sounds like some Maybe he's been reincarnated. Buddhism or something. I mean, I quite like. I mean, I have to quite like the idea. I don't want to say that. I mean, I, I think that's a nice way of <laughs> religious people looking at it, so that they don't want to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> because that is usually the way that they they do. So, how about you? Just say, no, what? He was a chick before, so leave it. He's still got a taste for knob. Leave it. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna get taken uh, off. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm going a bit hot and sweaty now. Just thinking about, oh shit, this is life. Um, <laughs> so for shits and gigs, people. Uh, Where were we before we started playing a playing a risky game? Um, Bojo. What do you think? What do you think he should be doing with the government now? Anyway, through the coronavirus, and how would you do it differently? Well, I would have not. I'd probably call a national government by now. Because it's not like something like this. You don't want sort of partisan, partisan acting and partisan criticism. You just need one united government where the most capable people do it, rather than. Has that ever happened before? Uh, both world wars were national okay. governments. How would that change the power structure? Obviously, the majority no holder. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think you just like in Winston Churchill's wartime government, Clement Attlee and Nye Bevan both had roles that he knew they were good at, even though he weren't, they weren't in his party. So yeah. with a national government, you can put people who are capable in charge rather than just those who are your party, mm. which makes sense. I feel like so, war, wartime and pandemic, although they're both global in... Well, well, for your country, I feel like yeah. having that national government probably wouldn't be the best thing just because of the conflicting views, how conflicting the views are, especially at the minute. Mm. Yeah, no, I think Keir Starmer said he was not going to act as a usual opposition leader. He was going to act in the interest of the country throughout this pandemic. So it's almost as though they are a national government as in they're united to tackle this Although mm. it's not officially, as you say, a national government. Yeah. What was your take on the question time? Yeah, was it yesterday with Keir Starm, his first oh, one? I thought it was pretty good. Um, it was a bit dull, obviously, because 
well, you could argue it was better because obviously it was empty, so they didn't have any of the usual point scoring and cheering and all yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think he asked a question about how many care workers had died, and then Rab basically didn't answer. So he said, I'm going to ask you that again next week and the week after until you answer. I think that's yeah. a pretty clever tactic for forcing information out of them. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. Well, that how was... can they not answer that question anyway? That pisses me off. Why? He said he didn't know. Um, and you couldn't hazard a, a guess considering all the statistics they have in front of them, no? Yeah, absolutely Apparently not. Mm. Definitely. I swear that's been said on the news a number of times now, though. Anyway, like... Well, how many healthcare workers yeah. have died? Mm. So well, it is just bollocks how he couldn't answer that <laughs> simple question. But it's obviously in the best interests of his government not to. Yeah. <sighs> well, it's uh, they failed to meet the testing that they've claimed to test every time they've stated it, really. It's now what's supposed to be 100,000 a week. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think they're close to it at all. No way. Not at all. And I'm not even sure that testing on a nationwide scale is the best way to approach this whole thing anyway. I was thinking about this today. It will give us a much better idea of how many people have the underlying virus and to what extent it is as serious as people consider it to be at the moment. Because a lot of these statistics and the mortality rate, etc., are all based off very skewed statistics. So the reaction to this whole thing is not from a position of knowledge, it is pure speculation. The worst of which was the model that sort of started this whole thing off, the University College London model, which predicted over 500,000 people dying, which is just obscene, because you have nothing to base that upon, like absolutely nothing. And because of that, we're now I think what they did base that on was an influenza virus anyway, which is just like... (laughs) It's not the so same. It's not, the same it's virus. not the same. Yeah. So it's unrepresentative of this in all ways. I mean, what would you say is the best way to approach this from a political standpoint? Because obviously, you need to balance the protection of life with the ramifications of an, like the economy crashing, which yeah. it already has. But again, say, um, where would you stand on this as a someone of your political inclination? I honestly don't know. It's such a. I don't know medicine. I don't really know economics either. I, don't know what you do in the situation. Uh, Germany, New Zealand, and mm-hmm. I, or Germany and New Zealand, they've both done very well at keeping it down, and South yeah. Korea suppressing mm-hmm. it and tracking it. I think that's probably the best approach because this country, when they had that herd immunity policy, we yeah. hardly prepared for it at all when we had um, weeks to do so. Like what's mm-hmm. coming out yeah. now about Boris Johnson not attending meetings and. Yeah. There were 38 days they had to prepare where they did nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And he was off doing more important things. Yeah. Do you know what it was he was doing at that point? Or? Oh, there was one thing that there was meant to be a Cobra meeting which he didn't go to because he was with a model of a dragon to celebrate Chinese New Year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he missed like, what was it, four or five Cobra meetings mm. because he had other... How cool does Cobra meetings sound? That really does sound Sounds like something like James fucking Bond. sick. I want to go to a Cobra It's not meeting. that cool, though, is I it? I want to see the Cobra. <laughs> cobra just stands for the meeting room. It's um, cabinet office, boardroom... Oh, hang on, have I got that wrong? Cabinet office, boardroom A. Yeah. Which is so much less exciting. Oh, wow. Is that, is that why? That's it, yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? Are oh, you ruined it now? I thought, thought there was just a Cobra <laughs> sitting in the middle of the table. Do you have a... <laughs> yeah. I thought it was because they were all a bunch of Satanist elites that all worship the snake as part of the whole, uh, you know, Satanic ritual. But oh well, I suppose your one makes more sense. Bloody hell. <laughs> uh, where are we going with this? Yeah, so what, do you know what Labour's um, approach would have been how, if they'd been in power? How do you think they'd have handled this? Again, it's a speculation, mm, but I, you know more than most. 
I imagine they'd probably have acted sooner because if you remember at the very beginning, the Tories had that herd immunity policy where they were going to do near enough nothing for the sake of the economy because yep. the economy is their priority. I imagine Labour, especially under Corbyn, would probably have put people first a lot sooner and probably have taken more action quicker. And what do you think of the argument to say that a failing economy will impact more people's lives? Well, I didn't really get that. They said that the recession, which will be huge after this, will kill more people than the virus did. Yeah. But a recession only kills people if the government lets it. If the government supports people through it, there's no reason why people should die in a recession. Not that I can see anyway. I think so. During the 2008 crash, where I think globally there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions of deaths, um, obviously not all from the UK, clearly not, but... Um, there clearly is a reason as to why people are dying. Is that because they failed to act in a way that you're suggesting? Well, if the government... I suppose it's harder in the third world, but if the government intervened yeah. to support people's welfare through a depression or a recession, there, I don't see there much reason for people to die unless the government... I suppose that's where the economic argument comes in. It's like you're supporting people through something, but if there is a recession, that means that the government itself would be financially struggling. Mm. And if there is no money to support them through it... yeah. How does that come about without the borrowing and printing of more artificial money that just seems to happen anyway? You have to do that, I suppose. I'm not I'm not an expert in this arena, no. but I find it a bit of a... I don't know what you'd call it. People like Toby Young have been making the argument we should bring back schools, put people back to work for the sake of the economy mm-hmm. because the lives that we're saving aren't worth it for the economic impact. And I think that's a pretty um, inhuman argument, really. Well, that's, a, mm. that's, the, that's the thing that's... That's the thing, because we'll probably be all right. Yeah, especially Ollie, he's already had it. Like, I, I actually know someone that got corona, and she said it was, like, living hell, but she managed to recover after, like, a week or something. And it's wow. just, our immune systems are just stronger than the, old, the older generation, aren't Oh, they? yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I suppose that is the argument here, as you're saying. It's Although it sounds inhumane, you are weighing up the the loss of life and productivity from people who are in their prime, so to speak, against saving a few extra years on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Mm. And I don't think anyone really has, well, nobody has the right to make that decision. So it would have to come down to, I guess, in a democratic society, a democratic vote. Although that is what the government is You can't have a referendum on whether to let old people die. (laughs) (laughs) Should we kill them all? (laughs) (laughs) It's a serious, it, it is funny, but it, it's a serious question that really needs to be asked. Maybe not in that sort of language, but to what extent will we lock down the world? Because I think at the moment we're looking at intermittent lockdown where we're a couple of months on, a couple of months off mm-hmm. until there is some herd immunity that is ta- like a tangible herd immunity, be it through a vaccine, which is going to make probably the first trillion dollar company on the planet, or one of the natural means through each one of these relaxations of the lockdown. It spreads a little bit more, pardon me, and then um, continues to spread from that point onwards, lockdown, calm it down, a few people die, but most people get over it, etc, etc, etc. I say the issue with that is they don't actually know if you can become immune to this. I was Mm. listening to something. I suppose. I was listening to something the other day, and... It was saying something along the lines of there, there is in the pipeline a drug that could give you immunity, but they don't know whether it would only be for a couple of days, a week, a month. Well, but it wouldn't be longer than a month. as well, isn't it? Huh? The, the flu changes on a yearly basis, and sometimes the flu jab 
is starkly wrong and everyone dies anyway. So if that is the case, why are we waiting for a vaccine anyway? Trust. And what are they going to put Not in that vaccine? Not to mention the whole argument that it's all some bioweapon from China anyway. Exactly. What are they putting in it? We never know. We don't know. So, Would you get the vaccine if they made it right now, tomorrow? I actually don't know if I would. I genuinely don't know if I would. I don't think you have a choice, my friend. <laughs> Everyone has a choice, You've got to get it. Otherwise, you won't be allowed out your house. I think that is what we're looking at. We're going into sort of, I suppose, conspiracy theory realms here, but you're probably going to be looking at, in a year's time, um, the vaccine being widespread, global production, global dissemination. And if you want to return to life as it was, or it would never be the same, but in a similar manner to what it was before coronavirus, you will need this vaccine and proof of having that vaccine in order to be considered safe to travel, safe to participate in festivals and that sort of thing. Otherwise, you're at risk of infection. Yeah. Which is a very, very sad reality. Trust. I just let the first couple of months go by and then I'll get to see how many people get murdered off. It's <laughs> 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 a couple extra months of uh, lockdown after all. We'll be so Trust. used to that. I mean, I don't even know how much longer this is going to last. Some people are saying three weeks. Some people are saying three months. Some people are saying I not think... till the end of the year. Nah, fuck all that. I'm thinking... Um... <laughs> At the end of May, I if it's not people... sorted out, I'm going to be outside Parliament with a machete. Nice. Well, okay. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that, but what I was going to say yeah. is people are already having enough. Yes. Um, bro, you saw that Donnie and Ken popping caps off the 95th oh, yeah. floor of that building, bro. I was like, what is happening <laughs> to the world? Did you see the Snapchat video of that, by the way? The, I didn't see the actual video I heard I about it. The, the guy, yeah, the guy put his... Isn't the, he a rapper? This whole... Is he a rapper? I don't even know. I think so. He's famous in some extent, not just because of this. Bro, he put the whole thing on his story and everyone saw it. And then he's got police coming in and marketing. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, what is your uh, stance <laughs> on the... Is it... Would Labour be supporting of a... Mandatory vaccination. I would imagine so, yeah. For And do you think that would be at odds with the Tory government or do you think everyone's pretty much of that inclination? I think when you get to something like this, sort of ideological differences, like the Tories would be more for personal, individual choice, la da da Labour would be more for the collective good. But I think when it comes to something this serious, they'll drop all that and say you will have it. Yeah. Mm. Are you familiar with Bill 122? No. Bill 122 was rushed through Parliament a couple of weeks ago now. Oh, a bit. Well, I thought you meant it was in a person, like Bill, like short for William. <laughs> no, no, no. Bill 122. <laughs> the 122nd <laughs> test subject for coronavirus vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> Bill. <laughs> um, are you familiar William with this one Bill. then? No. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, basically it's the Corona Act 2020 and it is stating, as you're saying, um, that there are now extended powers for the forcible taking of blood samples, injection, that type of thing. And those powers are now about for two years. You can be indefinitely detained and it's all quite dystopian. It's a bit like the um, V for Vendetta. Anyone yes. seen that? It's basically yeah, the plot line of that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's a good film. It is a good film, yeah, but I mean, you don't want to live there. <laughs> no. No. So when you're looking at um, policy change like that, 
How does that make you feel? Oh, it's a bit. It's. A, I can see why it's needed right now, but the two years of it seems a bit um, excessive. Yeah. And although they claim it to be temporary, no laws. We all know what that means. We don't actually have. Like some countries, they can have emergency powers where it lasts for two weeks and then the law is null and void. We don't have that at all. No. So they can say it's temporary. So when it's in, it's in. But until Parliament revokes it, it's there. For good. And I think that is worthy of some unrest, to be honest. Mm. But you can't do any rioting, can you? Because you're stuck inside. Social distancing is... Well, that's a, that's what they've... In this bill as well, they've made it illegal to, to protest. Because <laughs> you can't be within... Uh, however many meters of another person in public space. But if you like space I suppose out. we could do... Yeah, we could do... There was a recent one in Tel Aviv um, protesting their Prime Minister, um, uh, Atanyahu, Netanyahu. How do you pronounce that? Something like that. Benjamin Netanyahu. Netanyahu. Just call him Benji. Something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, just call him Ben. Man like Benji. <laughs> Prime Minister Benji, your president. I'm not sure what they have over there. But um, he's corrupt to the core. And... <laughs> The people have had oh, enough, God. basically. <laughs> so they were protesting his... Um, because he, again, using coronavirus to push through a load of undemocratic uh, uh, laws and the people. It's quite a nice sight, to be honest, seeing it. It's almost more impactful, seeing they everybody nice. uh, self... Social distancing, but still having thousands of people there in front of the parliament building or government building. It makes it seem like more people because it spreads out so much yeah. further. Whereas usually they'd all just bunch up like this. It's like on Rome Total War and you're gonna you're getting shot by archers, so you press space, <laughs> space out. You don't wanna, you don't wanna get killed quite right to the now. same extent if you're all blocked in. Right, we need to do a podcast on Charlotte Games. Jeez, us through and go off. They're big yeah, protesters in America right now, aren't they? Oh god. All over the place, and yeah. Trump's promoting it. Mm. Trump's said they're great some guy people. asked yeah. some guy asked Trump like so what do you think about these protests? You can clearly see these people aren't social distancing. They're, they're closer than two metres. He's literally said, if they want to protest, let them protest. It's just like, oh, my God. The Americans I are lost. I, see, I, th- I, actually, I, I think that's a better response than what a lot of people would give. I think in America there is an evident power struggle going on between the government and the people who are used to pulling the strings, the people who are used to sort of buying out certain politicians and influencing, well, just through lobbying and that type of thing, even like legal process, but I'm talking other means such as subverting public opinion. I mean, the fact that you've got so much of the media attacking Trump on a daily basis, like you've got your, you know that every time you're tuning into some news station such as CNN, etc., you're going to have some anti-Trump spiel, propaganda, whatever you want to call it. And there is now quite a, quite evidently Trump is not going along with the script, so to speak. And he's doing what he believes to be right rather than what he's been told to go along with. Yeah, and but do you not think you should advise against the protests at like now, especially when you're the country that's got the most amount of deaths? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, at that point, it's you just can't like, really argue, can you? How yeah. many more do you want to kill, really? <laughs> The only thing maybe he is that... really is a part of the script, and they want more deaths. Maybe conspiracy. this is a thing. The conspiracy you can <laughs> you can go, you can go so d- deep dive into these things. It's true. My only um, reservations are that again with the statistics, especially in America, they are reporting just anybody who dies, regardless, as a corona death. So if you're counting 
deaths. Like if you had on your TV screen the amount of people dying from cancer and you just changed that cancer to anything else, there would be outrage. Mm. There would be just the same as there is today with all these other, with the corona deaths. But because the news has told you this is your enemy effectively, these are the numbers, be scared. Yeah. Everyone is. Well, fear has been a big factor in this whole corona scandal. Fear. Especially... Weakens the immune system. Oh, there you go, mate. They're trying to kill us all. But Fauci is the medical, Mm. the top medical guy and um, Secretary of Health, I think, in America. Um, this is really showing how little we know, by the way. Um, we don't even know the proper <laughs> the proper terms and all that. But Fauci is the guy who, at the start, said it's 10 times higher death rate of something like bird flu, or not bird flu, sorry, influenza. So he was saying, like, one in 10 people will die. And he's saying this publicly. Obviously, people are going to be scared when they hear shit like that. And sure. it is complete fabrication. <laughs> there is no... Scientific research, statistics, nothing to support that. He is a very close associate of man like Bill Gates, who has suddenly become our international speaker on public health. Not to mention that he's also massively funding the World Health Organization as well. Mm. And you've got Fauci, the WHO, Bill Gates, all of these lot attacking Trump for his stance on it. And the, the way you can look at it is, oh, they have our best interests at heart. These, these billionaire pharmaceutical industry related professionals have our best interests at heart and they want to save us or the other way you look at it as is they want your money so they're obviously going to incite fear because they know that that's their way of getting the whole world inoculated trust and someone's paying for those they don't just pop out the ground like you have to produce these vaccines whoever makes the the first vaccine is a trillionaire straight away it's 100% guaranteed. But that is because of the way that the public has been led to believe that that is the only cure, when it really isn't. Exactly. There's no proof we've seen, yet. We've seen that just locking down a country can sort it. There's no proof in either direction, which is why we need to stop. I, I think this whole public opinion on very much looking at a vaccine as the, the saving grace, like we're talking as if life will not resume until there's a vaccine. It's just like, well, the vaccine is not the only thing. Like that is not the only thing that can stop this so why are we acting as if it, as if it is mm. China's overcome this thing I mean there is a second wave going on now whatever but mm. China has very much overcome this thing as far as the statistics say mm. um, yeah. and there was not a vaccine in sight we do have people talking about other drugs that are effective at treating it as well and they can be considered conspiracy theories or not but there's enough scientific data out there which implies that some of these things do help especially when you look at the contradicting scientific data where they're using placebos such as stuff like vitamin C, zinc, and all these other things, which do have physiological change on the body anyway. So they're almost setting up these ones to refute these drugs by using placebos, which aren't placebos because they do have an impact on the body, saying that, oh, it's negligible because this helped as well. So obviously it's going to help, bro. How many people are actually getting enough vitamin C? (laughs) Not many. So if you're going to give people vitamin C and then put that against another drug that is rumoured to help the virus... Mm. That is just un- unscientific. Yeah, un-scientific. I think there was something in France where there was a test done yeah. with a new drug and they were finding that it was helping. But then, mm-hmm. in actual fact, they told people exactly what they were taking. There was no, like, uh, placebo Why has the world group. suddenly forgotten how to do science? <laughs> <Isn't it? laughs> 
What it's is crazy, happening? isn't it? That's not what we learned back Because that is wrong. Then you're looking at people marking comorbidities as the only cause of death. Sometimes without even post-mortem, that's not right. Like, you don't do that. What's going on? That in itself is a global conspiracy. Is that everyone's suddenly forgotten how to do their fucking job. <laughs> the Illuminati, mate. For real. It's because no one's going into work. Everyone's just sat at home. They don't so with all of this doom and gloom, Tom, um, where can we see a few things wrong heading in the future? Do you think there's any bright side, uh, light at the end of the tunnel? For more political discourse? I don't know, really. I sort of made the decision the other day that the pages should be less depressing, a bit more fun, <laughs> take the piss a bit more. Uh, hence yeah. the post on the US candidates where I called them all creepy old paedophiles, or words to that effect, which is surprisingly <laughs> true, to be fair. Um, oh, um, trust <laughs> me, I know my fucking is bad. <laughs> I don't know how they get away with it. I mean, the UK is not far off as well, but, I mean, that's, a, that's another... Nice, rabbit holes one podcast. <laughs> there are some good things sort of still going on, like um, sheep in Wales. Like they're having a whale at the time. There's that video of them on a roundabout. They're in McDonald's. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, there. Like, there's always a silver lining. The world. Yeah, nature is coming back at an impressive rate. I must say. I mean, I think there's. I've said it before. Reports of thought to be extinct animals just turning up in people's road, and it's like, well, yeah. not only are you you're still yeah. alive, but you're acting like a fox or something doing well <laughs> yeah no it's the yeah. one it's definitely the one live conspiracy there is where they're doing this to try and help the environment which are worked. that is that, I imagine that is wishful just imagine thinking. if they Trust. cared but no I mean? I mean like it is it is nice to hear the birds chirping now and yeah seeing wildlife yeah. coming back that's until the 5G is there where is it that, there, where is it that <laughs> like the smog Smogs like clearing, you can actually see things in uh, India, I believe. India, somewhere in India, they can see the uh, mountains that they couldn't mm. see before. Yeah, see that. Or China, I can't right. basically one of the stereotypically polluted places. There is a mountain, there's a mountain range on the horizon that you used to be able to see since development, you couldn't, and now you can again. Yeah, see it. And that is live, as you're saying. That is, that is live. I mean, I, I feel like after the, all of this, there is going to be some sort of social change where businesses and stuff will look to reduce their emissions even more. Maybe even have, like, introduce a one-day work-from-home day and make it, like, a four-day four sort of week, three-day office sort of week sort of thing, which I would back because I feel like five days in an office is not good anyway. It's quite unhealthy. Exactly. As someone who's done it with you. For us, two months and I've already... <laughs> I'm already against it. No one's going to forget about everything that's happening right now. You know a lot of the time there's a world tragedy or something really bad happens. Everyone reacts to it and it feels like that's the only thing that anyone's talking about. Fast forward a few months or even a year or whatever and it's just something from the past. People don't really care or give it much attention anymore. It's brought up in conversation occasionally. It's like, oh, do you remember when this happened? Yeah. And now everyone's gone back to the way they were. This has been significant enough, I think, in my opinion, that just slightly, as Luke was saying, things are definitely not going to just go back yeah, to normal. Yeah, you'd be a naive. There's going to be, that. there's going to be the kind of like that bad taste in your mouth. So when there is something bad or really negative to do with the environment, it 
everyone's always going to pull back on this, say, look how easy, well, easy, look how easy it was to change and improve everything when we did just cut back and stop. Yeah. And a lot of us, I mean, obviously there are people that did die, but in the grand scheme of things, the majority of the population of the planet is still there. So it's not like, oh, there are a lot less people, so that's why. And whenever there is a global event like this, there is there are changes that sort of they outlive the crises indefinitely. I mean, the last global event that I can think of was nine eleven. Obviously, our lives don't really stretch much further than that. But mm. just something as sort of arguably trivial as air travel has never been the same, Trust. and arguably this the powers that have been put in place there, they don't necessarily do much to prevent that type of thing happening again. Although we're not, we won't ever be able to tell. So arguably they do work, which is again, kind of with the whole Corona thing. Because of the lockdown, and let's say the virus isn't as deadly as we're being led to believe, and not many people die, their argument will be the lockdown worked. Mm. But there's no way of validating that claim. The same way with the laws and the powers that were sanctioned after the 9-11 crisis, the Patriot Act, etc., and the global change on freedom of movement. So these things do outlive the crisis from which they were birthed, and we're just going to have to plod along and accept them, I guess. Grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so speaking about changing your um, page to be less uh, depressing, as you said, <laughs> what sort of things can we expect from it? I'm not sure. Um probably cover sort of instead of complaining about what's bad look at things that could happen that could be good like basic income job job guarantees um yeah sort of a more positive improvement outlook instead of just complaining which sort of undermines the idea of the page considering it's called a few things wrong but like we can live with that (laughs) i suppose you could look at the i always liked russell howard's good news because although it was mostly complaining Mm. There was that bit at the end, which was always he found something nice that had happened that week or whatever it was. And it was a nice way to end the show, but also just nice because obviously, especially now, all you really hear from the media is doom and gloom. And if there is that one thing just to make you feel happy that you're alive, it will help a lot of people just sort of get to the next day, I guess. Because, I mean, the depression rates, I'm sure it must be soaring. The only thing that we've got on our side is the fact that the weather's amazing. Very true. Imagine if it was UK weather. I'm getting a nice I was going to say, yeah, I'm getting a fantastic <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, anything for the shot. <laughs> so with your page, Tom, um, and with your stance and everything in general, do you have anything you'd like to air, anything you'd like to say, any commentaries? Uh, nah, just if you don't follow it already, go drop it a follow because it's quite good. Yeah. Um, I can attest it, it really. is quite good. There's some good chat underneath them all as well if you like a little bit of debate. Trust. Bit depressing, but um, more lighthearted content coming soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, do you mind read out the app for us as well, so people know where to find you on Instagram? Uh, just at a few things wrong. Um, there's underscores in there as well. Oh yeah, just words, underscores, right? spaces, yeah. underscores. It should pop up without that, to be honest. But um, yeah. if not, then that's how you do it. Um, and you're not on any other social media, right? No, Twitter flopped. Um, yeah, no, just just Instagram. <laughs> do you think you'll go back to Twitter at any point? Fact no, I don't that. like Twitter. Right. You don't like it? No. I thought that would be a much better suited place for someone doing your type of content. It's just a bit, I don't know. 
There's a lot of shouting. It's very disjointed, yeah. It's hard to keep up with everything you that's going on. You can't get to the end of anything. Some prick deleted my Twitter when I was, like, in year 10, and I never looked back. So I, I haven't had it for years. Ollie got his Twitter account deleted by Twitter. Yeah, Twitter completely banned. Well, it looks like a lot of these social media sites are banning me. I won't come into it. Um, Apparently, you can't be a misogynist yeah, and just... get away with it, so... <laughs> Okay, well, look, no, 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 that's not true. It's not what it was about. What I was going to say was... I'm uh, a racist, what? A viewer, <laughs> Positive Blue. Uh, Positive Blue uh, said, intellectual boys out here on Twitch, I respect hey, So Big up, thank you who was it again? Much. Blue what? Try and Positive underscore Positive Blue. Blue, big up, big up. Big up, GG. And it is very true. I wonder how many other people are doing stuff like this on Twitch. Everyone's just going to be there playing games. <laughs> playing games or uh, doing what our boy Jay does. Shout out Jay. Jay Streets. I was going to go into something yeah, a little true. less uh, savoury, but I'll Big stop up. myself. He's doing, he's doing um, more on YouTube now. Can't really yeah, I've seen, I've seen. Much the so the, for the future of the page, the future of the political commentary... What do you see um, you being able to talk about in the future? Where do you think this is all going? Where do you think the corona um, legislation is going? Where do you think the Labour Party is going with its new leadership? Well, Give us some speculation. My guess would be after this has ended, we'll see quite a significant social change like we've seen at the end of the Cold War, at the end of the winter of discontent. And ah, they're the only two examples I can think of. But we'll see sort of the social change that you'd have expected. What sort of social change can you expect? Um, I'd imagine a shift to the left somewhat because there's a lot more respect for low-paid workers than there used to be. That is true, especially in the NHS. That's that's a very I'd expect a jump in unionism, um, trade unionism, not support for Britain. Um, Ecology as well, I can imagine that will go through the roof. I'd hope it would. Um, Or we might see sort of a repression of any change by the government. So either way, it's going to be quite interesting to see what happens. What do you think would happen if there is a repression for change? How do you think the people react to that? Well, like, after World War Two, Churchill went on that on the radio and made a speech which basically lost him the election where he said that things had changed in the war but everything had to go back to normal now, back to how it was in the 30s. I, yeah. I can see Boris trying to push something like that and I can imagine it not going down too well. And the other thing to consider is if this ends, if this all ends in about, I don't know, November, December, January, we've probably got a no-deal Brexit happening. So it's going to be yes. straight out of one crisis mm. into another. So it should be interesting Well, you've times. done it now. What's Brexit saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought we, I thought we got Would a no-deal Brexit be what you are hoping for? I can imagine not. No, nowhere near. It would... I mean, people are used to stockpiling now, though, so that's a plus. Um, <laughs> yeah. might not be as bad anymore how do you think the, the country would cope with the whole Brexit thing let's say no deal well when you look at um, like a lot of people a good chunk of people support that but when you look at the government's you know the report that got leaked Operation Yellowhammer which was what I they have ex- not heard of it no oh, it was leaked and it's what they expect to happen with a no deal Brexit and there were things like the army being put on standby for civil disobedience and they're expecting roadblocks and fights in the street and all sorts. And you're like, that's what they expect. And there's a second document, which is what they their worst-case scenario, which they haven't published. And if anything near either of them happens, it'd be chaos, really. That sounds like martial law. Mm. Yeah, I'm not happy with that. <laughs> sounds like good fun. 
the world is a playground. I'm not sure whereabouts you, you live, mate, but living in London, we've experienced the riots already. So yeah. we know that if it was to get like that, it would be a lot worse. <laughs> and hopefully it doesn't. It is quite scary. Um, that's pretty much why we were supposed to be travelling right now, but we came back early, sort of partly because obviously we don't want to get stranded abroad, but obviously there was that risk of there being that civil discourse, uh, civil unrest, sorry, and... Um, Potentially needed to come back and bat people away from our front doors. Donna just wants a fight, but... to be honest. <laughs> yeah. No. Nah. yeah, he got on that plane, he was like, oh, Who wants that? Who's like this? No, I'm, uh, I'm a very uh, calm and collected person. Um, <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> yeah, no, these all, it's all been a very interesting chat. I think um, the people over on your page would probably want more of a political debate. What I tried to line up for this uh, episode was I'm in contact with a councillor for the Tory government. I won't go into who it was because at the time he said, yeah, he's well up for it. And then I sent him the page that said, oh, this guy's political analyst, that type of thing. He wants to um, debate and all this. I'm not debate, he wants to go on a podcast. Like, would you up for a debate with him? And he goes, yeah, sounds good. Sent him the link. He clicks on it. Oh, no, I'm busy. Uh, upon looking at the type of content he releases, I don't think it's wise for me to appear in the same uh, <laughs> podcast as him. And I was like, oh, fucking pussy, oh, that's bro. Brilliant. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That. <laughs> but I mean, I understand it. Take it's it. his career. Win. He Take doesn't want to have anything that sort of... It's almost a shame, really, that it might tarnish your career because it just makes people very sort of reserved mm. and doesn't actually allow them to Speak display any real conversation. Yeah. Exactly. Speak their mind, that sort of thing. And what do you think? Do you think that politics in general is going down that road where everything is now too politically correct? Uh, a little bit, I would argue, yeah. Like, there are issues like FMG in ethnic minority communities that a lot of politicians won't touch on for fear out of, of um, I don't know what you'd call it, criticism for doing so. Yeah, FMG for the listeners, if you sort of go into the acronym. Uh, female genital mutilation, it's quite common yeah. in sort of extreme Middle Eastern culture and it's very yeah. illegal in this country but it happens Understandably. but yeah. very few people are willing to talk of it in Parliament and that is so obviously a detriment to society when you're mm. unwilling to even discuss these things and it's, uh, it's just frustrating how can we go about stopping this without anarchy you oh. just want to fight <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's what we've. No, I don't want. I don't want anarchy. I'm just trying to, you know. We're gonna get into. A, we're gonna right start, and Jono's just gonna punch me first. <laughs> He's just gonna. Go, Jono was like, <laughs> "Oh, we shouldn't go back." Then, I, then, there's, then there's talk about the riots, and then Jono's just like, mm, "Maybe we should go back." <laughs> Wouldn't want riots to start happening, this, would I? <laughs> I want to go back. If there was riots to protect my family, oh, that is the only couple, reason man. why. <laughs> Look, when we have to start fighting over toilet paper, so you basically just sorry, you basically just answer this question anyway. Um, Positive Blue came in and said, "What is your opinion on the state of we the people and the government, as in trying to keep all social groups happy, and mostly people on the left trying to nitpick problems, as opposed to anyone well, else?" I sort of. I sort of agree with that. Some like when you get into the sort of identity politics lot, uh, it does get a bit mental. Like people, I remember there was some a lot of liberal journalists. Um, you know, Dunkirk, the war film. There was complaints over the lack of women in lead yep. roles. Well, yeah, it's it's the British Army in nineteen forty. <laughs> um, I think stuff like that that is a bit nitpicky, and the the left is a bit pathetic when it yeah. comes to things like that. 
but that is only a minority. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing as well is that there's a lot of airtime mm. given to the extremes on both sides. So you've got the extreme left that are complaining about a lack of women in a historical film where there were very little women. And then on the far right, you've got people claiming that that sort of thing yeah. has taken away our freedoms. So it's... <laughs> It's because that those two sides are given that much airtime that people believe there probably is a larger or a more a serious prevalence of that sort of thinking. When in reality, probably I can imagine so. most people are quite happily mm. somewhere near the middle. Without even really giving it much consideration either, because not many people are into politics nowadays. Although it is growing as politics is getting more interesting. But um, yeah, most people just default somewhere in the middle because most people are quite rational, I think. Dare I say it. It's a nice thought. <laughs> It really is a nice and thought. The the question also included a statement saying that what everything's all nice, bright and lovely. It looked like that. I mean the wording of it confused me a little bit. I agree with the sentiment that as far as life goes, we're all pretty cushy. Trust. More However at what cost is it to the greater humanity that we're allowed to live so well for so cheap and inequality as a whole is the worst it's ever been and will only get worse after this crash concludes so i can't imagine it's going to be quite as good if we allow things to go the way that the people at the top this sounds like conspiracy but it's not i think about the financial elites they're going to want to make their pile bigger that's just what they do it's in their nature to want more so we do need to watch it i guess is what i'm saying and yeah so what would you have what do you have to say to the anonymous councillor who was worried to debate you on any sort of policy or political Don't be a ideology? Coward. <sighs> oh, <laughs> <My> boy! <laughs> do you think that's a common theme of many uh, conservative huh? Well, actually, one of the um, one of the big Tory accounts on Instagram, which I won't name, threatened to call the police on me once. <laughs> Because oh go on name it. <laughs> I commented tell me and they weren't happy and they said they'd call the police for harassment and it's like <laughs> what did you say <laughs> what did you what did you comment I can't you remember that ages ago but it's like oh, oh cool. come can't on. remember <laughs> what did you say <laughs> no it was like a plight well written argument and they're like we're going to call the police it's harassment it's like no nah, it's, it's 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 not people do get like that online. And that's why I was asking the questions earlier on. Is like, well, how have you found that community to be? Because it does seem to be just two screaming yeah. camps. Yeah. And no one's there to really learn. They're was, there to win. Yeah, I was going to say, does it? Does the response from your posts motivate you to make more? Or can it be quite disheartening sometimes? Because it is just a case of a you lot, lot of, of people or something like that. not engaging with the content and learning from it and debating it's more just they either look at it and like it if they were mm. going to like it already or they look at it and they think no, well what's good you. is there's a solid sort of 20 25 people on there who are solid Tory supporters who will whenever they see a post they'll disagree with it and argue against it and obviously that's always a bit annoying mm. but then when you make mm. a post and either they say nothing or they agree then you know you've really nailed an argument so that's actually sort of mm. yeah mm. Yeah, it's a good basis to sort of see if you're trying to, as you say, you admit that you're left-leaning, but you're trying to be as middle as possible. Do you know of any legitimate, unbiased news sources? No. They're, no. Right answer. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Test paper. 
You've passed. Because I, I'm trying to find someone who I can believe, dare I say, Put because it does get in. long having to go into the, the sources of the sources of the sources and actually find out what they're reporting and then realise that it's complete trash compared to what they've written. But yeah. Um, I think we all need to put our faith in Tom. <laughs> Everyone go follow. Let's get it up. Make it mainstream media. If we're putting our faith in Tom, then what? We need to believe that the whole of the American government's filled with pedophiles, right? And I can attest way. with my, Look, with my that, data, I agree somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be fun. It'd be fun to think that and debate it. It'd be what? It'd be fun to what? Be with you. You're disgusting. That's what I said. <laughs> Twitch, listen. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're ready to sort of call it a day there. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you, my yeah. man. You've been a delight to podcast with. Hopefully your followers enjoy what you have to say and the sort of discussion we've had here. If any of them see this video, I'm not sure if we'll publish a video, but if we do, then um, I'm sure they'll be surprised <laughs> to see <clears throat> the man behind the legend. <laughs> so yeah, just again, I know we said it earlier, but just where can people find you on social media? Uh, Instagram, a few things wrong. Just that. There we are, Perfect. mate. Okay. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Thanks for listening. And uh, make sure you tune in to the next one. See you later. Bye.